Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Della Darling podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to meet me, to meet my co-host, and to be introduced to our vision, our auditory vision, I guess. Um, So I'm Emily, for those of you who don't know, and I am a Delaware enthusiast. With me, I have one of my best girlfriends from high school, Dara McBride, who is an arts enthusiast with an emphasis on Delaware. So we're super excited um, to bring you guys into our little Delaware loving world. But you're not actually a Delaware native. I am not a Delaware native. Little known fact, I was actually born on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and did not move to Delaware until I was five. So I was raised Delaware, but not born Delaware. Do you feel like that has influenced how you see Delaware? I don't know if it's influenced it. I think um, leaving for college and then coming back mm-hmm. it has really piqued my interest and love affair with the first state. And you were here very young. I was. I moved here so young, I don't really have memories of um, my time in Mississippi. So how about you, Dara? You were born and raised in Newark and Hocassin. Yes, I was. I am a Delaware native, um, and my, my dad's family was also from Delaware, and I think it was also until, it wasn't until college that I really thought about, like, being from Delaware and... And how important and <laughs> empowering it can be. Um, well, same thing for you. I, I left after school. I went to Bucknell in central Pennsylvania, and you went to Syracuse in central western New York. Not western. It's Not central. western. Central. Central. Central New York. Um, and I, yeah, I think the same thing. I think... Um, you know, being one of the very, very few people from Delaware, mm-hmm. I realized how special it was when I would meet somebody else from Delaware. Well, I think we have to talk about how it was special because this did not happen to me, but I know it happened to our friends. They got excited because you were from the state that their fake ID was from. Yes, yes, that is true. So when I was in college, the the very trendy place to have a fake ID was Delaware. And so um, I remember going to visit one of my roommates in New York City where she had grown up, and everybody's fake ID in her high school friend group was from Delaware. And I thought it was such a strange thing. Why is that the ID to have? Um, and, it, and it turned out to make a lot of sense, actually, because most bartenders aren't familiar enough with it to know what a real Delaware ID should look like. But it's pretty reasonable that anywhere on the East Coast, there could be somebody from Delaware. Yeah. So even though they couldn't identify it correctly, they understood that it was something that could happen. Yeah. So we both, we had very different college experiences, but also very similar, I think, because we had we really got to know each other in high school when we worked on the student newspaper together and then we both became the editors of our college newspapers and now we've kind of continued to do different things but still be really interested in writing and communications and just kind of generally knowing what is going on either like locally or just being being aware being present Agreed. I think we both feel very invested in um, storytelling so and connecting people with people and events. So I know for you, you know, you had that your time at the Cecil Wig, um, which really helped you to get involved in the arts culture in Cecil County and a little bit in Wilmington and Newark as well. And for me, um, 
you know, I just, just from living life in Delaware and Wilmington have just met so many interesting people, photographers, artists, choral directors, um, just people who really love what they do and are super invested in producing some sort of content or art for people. And it's just so interesting for me of how do you connect those people and how do you connect more people with that art so that they know what's going on. So you started the Dell Darling blog in, was it 2013? Was it right after graduation from college? Yes. Well, it was, it was a few months later. Um, and it has evolved a lot. I definitely, for the first few years, sort of floundered with the blog, not really having a premise, a direction. Um, but it was sort of a way for me, outside of my engineering job, to be writing and producing content um, with a little bit of my own creativity and artistic license. So it didn't really become Della Darling and become a Delaware-focused blog until 2015, I would say. And at that point is when I rebranded, DellaDarling.com became the URL. Um, I have all the icon branding, all that stuff. And so um, I'm definitely not the best at consistently writing. I will admit to that. But hopefully um, having sort of this podcast to hold me accountable will mean I'll have to stay a little more on top of it. Yeah. So tell me, how did you come up with this podcast idea? Oh my gosh. So this is a great story. So um, you were with me and we were with one of our, one of our friends, the Lisa P. Which we will get into later. So the Lisa P. story and saga is amazing. So we were with um, Lisa at the Delaware Taco Festival. It was the very first festival. And for those of you who remember that festival or attended it, um, there was a very long wait to get inside. So we had probably stood in line with our tickets just to be scanned and enter for about a half hour to an hour. Mm -hmm. um, so by the time we got inside, we were already a little, a little parched. And it was a very, very hot summer day. And so once we were inside, we realized there was very little water to go around. Um, as far as I know, they've improved that part of the event. But they also had, of course, all kinds of tacos. Um, every restaurant had a taco stand. There were tequila bars where you could do tequila tastings, which because we were so hot, we skipped the tequila, which was probably a good decision. And they also had a mariachi band. And the great thing about the mariachi band was that there was someone who was so moved by the music that he actually got up on stage and proposed to his girlfriend at the taco festival in the midst of the mariachi. And we were front and center. We were right there, ready to see the action. Did we realize it was happening? Or was it one of those things where we, we like thought something was happening, but we weren't sure, and then it turned out to be... Yep, that's an engagement right there. I think we didn't quite realize. I I know I thought he was going to get up there and do like a little karaoke. I thought he was just getting up to sing, and then and then it turned out he was he was proposing, um, and she did say yes. So mm -hmm. it was a very exciting moment. The crowd was thrilled, um, you know, and I felt like what a Delaware thing to get engaged at the Delaware Taco Festival. So that was the first time where I thought, oh my gosh. I have to tell people this story. They need to know about, about, you know, the Delaware Taco Festival and the crazy things that happened there. But at the time, I wasn't quite sure I was ready to delve into it. I had just bought a house. I had a lot on my plate. I had just gotten my dog. And so I wasn't really ready to take on any more responsibility. And the podcast seemed a little daunting at the time. And I left. 
That was that, that was our last activity that we did before I went back to Syracuse for grad school. That's right. That's right. And so that was the other thing. I, you know, having a podcast with just me would be a little bit boring, I think. So I really felt like I needed a co-host and I, I wasn't sure I had a great option. Um, and of course, Dara was away at school. So then Dara graduated, uh, which we're super proud of. Sure she did. is now a, a dual college degree gal. And so she moved back and we've been going to events, supporting our friends, all kinds of things since she came back last May. Well, really, you didn't come back until August, I guess. September. September. Mm-hmm. So we really had quite a bit of time um, this year to just sort of enjoy our lives and everything Delaware has to offer. And then about a month ago, mm-hmm. um, our friend Gretchen, who is the owner of Delacour Cafe and the Delacour Boulangerie on 202, um, she was in this Delaware Chef Challenge, um, which was sort of a Top Chef-inspired thing. So she had a mystery basket of ingredients. She had an assistant, um, a sous chef, if you mm-hmm. will, who was a teenager at... She was from Middletown. Middletown High School, I, I think. I don't know if she went to Middletown. Yeah, she was from Middletown. I'm not sure if she went to Middletown High School. Um, and it was really cool. Gretchen got to actually compete, and, and the event raised money for the Flower Market Scholarship Fund. So it was really awesome that we got to attend and see Gretchen doing that. And at that event, we realized there were very, very few young people, very mm-hmm. few millennials. Um, and we were enthusiastic. We thought this is a really great event. There's good food. There's great entertainment. And we really thought, hey, this would be a great type of event to feature and to bring more millennials in. And we want to highlight that kind of stuff. So that was really when um, I think the ball got rolling. And we said, I said to Dara, will you host this podcast with me? And she said, yes. So it was really exciting. Um, That was sort of born. And so we've actually been in the background sort of preparing and getting ready. Now Nutmeg is in the background walking around. Yes, Nutmeg loves to podcast. She likes to be included. Nutmeg is my dog. So, um, yeah, so it's it's been a wild ride for this last month. as We've sort of prepared for this recording and upcoming episodes as well. So now we have started the podcast, and I think if, if you are tuning in, if you're lucky enough to hear us, or Nutmeg... Um, so what we just want to tell you a little bit about what you can expect every other week. Yeah, I think we're aiming for about two podcasts a month. We don't have a set recording schedule yet, so we'll see how it goes. So I think that you can uh, you can expect to hear um, the weird and wonderful news of Delaware, uh, the things that catch our eye and that we love to talk about with each other and want to share with you. Um, what you know, what we're doing, what we're looking forward to doing. Um, not necessarily because we find ourselves so interesting, um, but because there is a lot going on in Delaware, and uh, we just want to. We there's there's so much to do, and I think that there there are a number of uh, you know places where you can already find out what's happening. But this is kind of like a little bit of a curated curated millennial highlight. Yeah, things things that for millennials are maybe well priced, well suited to our timing so I know I'm not great about things at 5 p.m. on Friday but maybe 7 or 8 I'm much better um yeah so just events that that might pique millennials interest Mm -hmm. although I don't know how much I want to use the word millennial that's true we want to be careful because obviously we are 
women. We are millennials. I live in Wilmington. Dara lives in Hocassin. Um, we definitely skew a little feminine millennial Wilmington, but we want to be careful that this is all inclusive and that everybody can really feel a connection to our stories and our events that we're highlighting. And speaking of like strange things from Delaware, um, right now we are experiencing the Delaware homesick candle at Emily's place, um, which I think you got, did you get it when you were living in Delaware? I was living in Delaware. Um, I think, I'm not sure if I bought it when I was in the apartment or just after I bought the house. So I've probably had it for about two years at this point. Um, and I, I only like to bring it out for really great Delaware occasions, but it's a great candle. I think it smells fragrant, lovely. Um, it's not too overpowering. And we've got, we've got the scent notes handy. So um, we just want to make sure we're giving you guys an accurate description of our experience while we're here recording. So the scent notes from the Homesick Company. A perfect day in the first date starts with the fresh smells of a breezy morning by the water. Head back to Delaware with the scents of just picked strawberries, orange zest, and the rushing waters of the Delaware River and its sandy beaches. Which is a strange description, actually, if you really analyze it. Like, I... Oh, I agree. I mean, I love Delaware, but I have to say, if you wanted it to smell accurate, chicken farms, <laughs> um, maybe, like, sewage. <laughs> um, we don't have the best water quality. Um, maybe a little horse manure wafting over from the Kennett Square mushroom farms. So I, I'm actually it? happy that they didn't choose the real Delaware scents because I still want to support our Delaware candle. Well, I, I mean, that's not what I smell on a daily basis, but I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I was thinking more of, I think, especially when you are not from Delaware, but you were trying to conjure up the essence of Delaware, you do think about the beaches, but in actual fact, I do not spend that much time at the beach. But this is also because I am very pale and burn easily. That's true. That's true. Your Irish background uh, definitely contributes to that. Um, and I, I actually have to say I'm, I'm a horrible, horrible Delawarean because, you know, I grew up actually going to the Jersey Shore. Oh, my God. And to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. I very rarely went to the Delaware beaches. I actually go more now as an adult. And even then, it is not an annual occurrence by any means. We should. I would like to go this summer, though. We'll have to plan a day trip and highlight some of the, some of the best of Sussex County. So what did we, we did not go to the beach this week because it's April and it's still... And it is cold. Really cold. But it's not that bad. It is getting better. I will admit it is getting better. I spent all day on Friday on a construction site um, and, and it was not unpleasant. It's because I've been like going back and forth to living in Syracuse and not living in Syracuse for so long, I... Like, March and it's snowing, I, it took me a while to be like, oh, this is actually strange. That's true. That's true. Um, I know. I had the same adjustment. It's about 10 degrees cooler, I would say, at Bucknell than it is here in Delaware. So it was an adjustment for me when I came back. But I have fully reimmersed myself. I am appalled that there are forecasts of snow in April. This is terrible. Yes, but I think we're moving, we're moving forward now. So one of the things that we were planning on doing this weekend that we did not, which is, we're going to mention it just because we are going to do it again in the future, although we do not 
this is what we are like I, I think it's so easy to like talk about doing something and then decide against it that I think this podcast will help keep us accountable to actually right follow through and go to events and make the most of Agreed. Agreed. And I think we, we often do a good job, but, but to be honest, we almost on a daily basis send each other interesting events that we see coming up Mm -hmm. and it is hard to pick and choose which ones we'll be able to make it to. Yes. So we, we were going to go to yoga at the Delaware Art Museum yesterday, Saturday, um, which was the first one in their spring and summer free yoga in the Copeland Sculpture Garden series, um, which I think is a, a beautiful space. And I, I love the art museum. I love the selection of illustrative work that they have there. Um, and But there will be other yoga events on the first and third Saturdays of the month, April through August. Um, so apparently we actually missed the family yoga which, which is okay. Which is okay. Which it is okay. Because, because we, we are not a family. <laughs> but I feel like it would have still been open to yes, all. Absolutely. So, but maybe we will be able to go later this month or in the later this summer. So instead we did yoga here at your house. Yes. We did a little at home flow, which was great. Um, and then we had a little brunch and we actually... Um, watched Mannequin, which was a movie from the 1980s that Dara watched as a child and and really wanted to share with us. And so it was a really great little Saturday morning activity with friends. I don't know why I was thinking about it. I was talking about it with our friend Gretchen, and I realized that I don't think I'd ever forced anyone here to watch Mannequin, which was a movie that somehow I came across when I was a child. And I they consisted that I watch and my parents took me to the video store and I rented it. Um, but yes, it's from 1987 and it is starring Kim Cattrall and Kim Cattrall, who we all know and love as Samantha Jones from sex and the city. Yes. And, um, Andrew McCarthy, um, one of the Brat pack. Yes. Looking very young, looking very very young, very young. Um, and in case you didn't guess from the title, it is about a mannequin that, uh, comes to life and inspires Andrew McCarthy, an aspiring artiste and sculptor, to recreate or create these beautiful window dressings in what is actually right now the Macy's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Um, oh, also, before we move on, I just want to highlight a couple of other great castings in this movie. Okay. So James Spader, very young. He looks about 19 years old. In this movie. I don't know how accurate that is with his age, but he looks so young. Um, he actually plays the villain of the film. This shouldn't be shocking to anyone who's seen Baby Boom. Have you seen Baby Boom? I have not. Oh my god, another wonderful 80s movie that we should see, starring Diane Keaton in all her turtleneck glory. Ugh, she I love, I love a good Diane Keaton costume. Who does? She inherits a baby. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, she she inherits a baby, and so she has to like she has to decide between her like cutting edge like woman in New York City tiger lady job, and mm-hmm. or will she move to Vermont and start a baby food company? I see that. I see that. It's a difficult decision that you know falls upon all of us at some time or another. So you know, I, I would love to see her decision in the end. So that may be next on our list. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess James Spader, was he also, 
he was he was a cad in Baby Boom, who's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But Sam Shepard is also in it. Okay. Okay. But he's a, he's he's great. He's great. He's a good guy. Um, and then also, I think this was probably my favorite casting of the whole film: Estelle Getty, um, Sophia from The Golden, the Golden Girls. Girls. She actually plays the, I guess now CEO or she's the con- owner. She's the owner, but now she's also acting as the owner. I think in the mm-hmm. past her husband was running she, the store. She recently inherited the store. It's in financial trouble, and of course you find out. I don't want to ruin anything, but I I think it's it's safe to reveal that the mannequin and these amazing window dressings do you know bring people to the store, and it, it sees this this re rebirth. Yes, yes. Um, Another great thing about the movie, in addition to the cast, is the montage. Oh, my God. So, you know, things I love about movies in, especially the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you have Ferris Bueller, you have The Breakfast Club, um, so many others. There are so many great movies in the 80s, and and they're really focused on the montage. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in the middle, there's great music, there's typically some sort of dancing um, costume changes. Costume many, changes. Many changes. Agreed. Agreed. And it just it just makes the movie. It really does mm-hmm. because you get this this uplifting spirit in your soul. You feel like you're part of the action. And Mannequin just has a great montage. It does. And I, uh, it also has your favorite character, Hollywood. Y'all, Hollywood is my spirit animal. Pink convertible. We have all the same taste in clothing and accessories. <laughs> Um, we have the same, um, somewhat catchphrase, oh shit. So, you know, it, it, I don't remember that. Oh, he says it. He says it. And so I really just felt connected to that character within the movie. Yes. And now his name escapes me, but, um, I, the actor, he, uh, I believe he won an Emmy from, for designing women. So he was like, this was not his only role that is, he's, he's, that is good to know. Quite an accomplished actor. Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to share this movie was because it is filmed and set in Philadelphia, and I think that as much as we enjoy being from Delaware, um, we kind of get excited about any chance to see Delaware slash Delaware adjacent things represented on screen, stage, book, whatever. Um, so early on in the movie, there's a scene that's filmed at Longwood Gardens, um, which we we go to we go to every year for Christmas. I know I, I go at least once for Christmas every year. I like to go um, in the summers. Actually, right now the is it the Orchid Festival? I think the Orchid Festival. I I went to that. I think it might. It may have just ended, but I think spr- well, spring blooms may be the current mm-hmm. exhibit. Um, and and the fountains have re- are, are reopening yes. in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know the fountains are just great. I actually. Um, have a date later in the summer that there's a specific fountain show I'd like to go see. Mm-hmm. So we may we may have some updates on that for you later on. Mm-hmm. So Mannequin was really just a, a lovely way to, to spend the morning, to, to have our, our weekend. Um, and I mean, I don't want to ruin the ending for it, so you'll just have to see it. But I did find that I mean, it's not, it's not a, an award-winning film, shall we say. But, but you know what? Films do not have to be cinematically important in order to be great movies. That's true. If you want to see scenes of of and around Philadelphia and um, some Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall. Great montage. 
music. Jefferson Starship, Nothing Gonna Stop Us Now, is the key song of the film. Um, And as I did find that Dan McQuaid in Philadelphia Magazine, uh, he did did write about it um, in recent years, um, kind of bringing it back up. And he found that... He panned the film, but he said, The message of Mannequin, clumsy as it is, is that the greatest place and time in recorded history is 1980s Philadelphia. Truly, this is the most uplifting film ever made about the city. That's true, I would say. Because, you know, a lot of the films set in Philadelphia are pretty depressing. I mean, take Philadelphia, for example. Yes. I don't don't know that that's what I want to watch on a feel-good Saturday type of day. And now, I th- you know what, Philadelphia, this might be another great time for Philadelphia and Delaware with all of our, I know nothing about sports, but I did hear something about sports teams doing well. The rumblings are true. The rumblings are true. You know, we're just coming off the heels of the Eagles' very first Super Bowl win. So, you know, I, I love how you're saying that, like it's news, but I don't think like a single person does it. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone knows this, but it's an exciting time in Philadelphia sports. <laughs> it's an time. You know, we're we're coming into the Phillies season. Um, you know, hopefully that's going to go well. So you know, it's it's an exciting time to be alive and to be in Delaware, to be in Philadelphia, to be in this sort of like um, Penn Penn Delaware area. The tri- when I remember because. It's the tri-state area. Yes. But, so it was very... Like, but which three states? Which three states? We have so many that we're close to. You know, um, we're on the Delmarva Peninsula. We obviously are right near Pennsylvania. I think, you know, I only live a few miles away. We've got New Jersey over there. I mean, we're so close to so many great places. Mm-hmm. I think, so we've spent a lot of time talking about Philadelphia. We have. But, we have. you know, it's great. Um, but we should bring it back to Delaware. Because there is some very specific Delaware news that is wild, wacky, wonderful. That's true. Hashtag only in Delaware is sort of my favorite my favorite thing to, mm-hmm. to tweet when I see these these strange stories. And we did promise our listeners the story of Lisa P. We did tease Lisa P. We did. So, you know, we mentioned our friend Lisa. Um, we love Lisa. She's great. She actually lives in Baltimore now, but she travels back pretty regularly to spend some time with us here in Delaware. To watch Mannequin with us. To watch Mannequin with us. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, she's our favorite Lisa P. I think it's pretty Mm -hmm. safe to say. Absolutely. Um, but when we were in college, we all... Out of the four of our of our close girlfriends, um, three of us left. Lisa was at Cornell, Dara, of course, Syracuse, and, and I was at Bucknell. But Gretchen was at Delaware with a number of our other high school friends. And um, we have a friend. We'll call him Krabby because that is generally what we call him, actually. <laughs> um, that's That's been his nickname since actually before we even knew him before in high school. Him. So, um, And he, in college at University of Delaware, dated another Lisa P., yeah. And and so but and so we started talking about Lisa 1, Lisa 2. Right. It 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 you know, it becomes confusing. It becomes confusing. And and the Lisa P um connection, you know, has gone on. She we've heard news of her over the years. Mm-hmm. Um we're now of course been out of college for about 5 years. About a month ago, I would say, I saw this news article about a Hunter College student former student, actually, who um, 
is refusing to move out of her dorm room. And she's in New York, and her name is Lisa Palmer. Yes, another Lisa P. And guess what? She is from Delaware. So the third Lisa P strikes. And, and you know, it's an interesting story because um, it, it, she's refusing to leave her dorm room. I just cannot even imagine that being so desirable. I mean, obviously, I, I did feel the desire to go back to Syracuse for another degree, but I have no desire to continue to live in a dorm. It's crazy. Well, and you, and you know what's so interesting about this story is that this has been going on for actually a couple of years at this point. I don't even understand how this is possible. Actually, I did. There were some times where, because I was on the student newspaper, I would stay like longer than some of my... Um, into the summer, over no, break. I'm not like, I was not a squatter. I'm saying like <laughs> I had to cover like the graduation ceremonies for the paper. Oh, agreed, agreed. So, yeah. So I would, like everyone else would leave and I would always freak out. Like, not necessarily. This was not going to happen. But I was convinced that this, like, this university police was going to raid my apartment and like find me asleep in my bed longer than I, and this is totally now I also had stayed at Bucknell for various reasons over over breaks and um I didn't have this irrational fear I have a lot of irrational fears well we all do we all do let's let's be honest here but you know this it's just so crazy to me and and apparently she has racked up ninety four thousand dollars of charges based on her occupancy living in a dorm is expensive it's very expensive you know it's expensive in that just the pricing, right? The rent on a dorm room mm-hmm. is very expensive, okay? Um, and also, we don't know this, but I'll assume it's a standard dorm room and she doesn't have a full kitchen and all that. Yeah. So what is she eating? Is she cooking? Does she eat out? Does How she does she have cook? a hot plate that she's not actually allowed to have according to dorm room policy? I mean, she could have a hot plate, a George Foreman, a crock pot, an instant pot, a coffee maker. You're not allowed to have those. Coffee maker, toaster oven. To be perfectly honest... I don't think you actually need a kitchen in today's world. I think you could get away on small appliances. So instead of spit, like, but it costs a lot of money to order food if that's what she's doing. It does. And I hear, you know, we don't, we don't actually have seamless or anything like that here in Delaware yet. Um, but I hear it can get expensive very quickly. I haven't, I haven't used it, but yes, I yeah. believe it can. So, you know. But I think the, the big question here is, though, Emily, you're looking for a roommate. I am looking for a roommate. So maybe Lisa P. is looking. When do you want her to come live with you? I I don't. I don't. Because apparently she will not move out and then also will not pay rent. (laughs) And that is just not the kind of roommate I am looking for. So true. So true. Um, So we have a number of other little bits and pieces of news. Um, We have the, the double... Double Delaware. Yeah, we have this double Delaware engagement. It's, you know, these two identical twins, Brianna and Brittany Dean. They grew up in Wilmington. I believe they went to Wilmington Friends. Um, they Which actually... I drove by on the way to get here. You did. You did. You know, Wilmington Friends, it's a, it's a local, local hot spot for high school students. They can be seen there pretty much every day, September through May. Um, I didn't see any because it was, it's Sunday. And it's spring break. Oh, is it? Well, we're, Easter was last weekend, so we're wrapping up spring break. But I don't know. I don't know if Wilmington Friends follows the public school spring break schedule. I don't know. But it is Sunday, so no one was there. Um, that being said, though, these these twins. So they actually um, they met twins. So they are going to marry identical twin brothers. Um, I believe they met at the twin festival. 
Yep, they did. They did. I'm double checking our our source in here. Twinsburg, Ohio. And and you know, I really would like to attend, but I feel like I am not a twin, and I'm I'm kind of unwelcome. I sent you this story because I I thought it was just hilarious, and then you told me that this is actually like this was your dream. That but it's true, obviously never to be realized because you do not have a twin. I am not a twin. I am not a twin. Um, it, it's tough, you know. But yeah, I, I would definitely say Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. You know mm-hmm. that that. I would call them a genre of their own when we were kids. I think, you know, they had a number of television shows, a number of video series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was sort of my my life's dream to have a twin and to travel with my twin and fall in love with my twin. And um, I realize it's a little unrealistic. And as an adult, I don't think I would actually mm-hmm. enjoy that. But But these two girls, man, so they're engaged to identical twin brothers. Mm-hmm. They were asked. It was all one proposal. Matching outfits. Matching outfits. It's all been filmed. We'll, of course, link to that for you guys. And and they are, I believe, planning to have a double wedding. Mm-hmm. So it's very Shakespearean. Which is also what I didn't have a twin. I do still have a sister. And I did tell you that growing up, I just sort of thought that, like, double mar- like double weddings were just, like, a thing that would happen to me one day. And you point, like, you point out this is... This is only acceptable in movie musicals and Shakespeare. Absolutely two, true. Two things which I probably, like, more than the average child, for good or for bad, saw a lot of at a very impressionable age. And so I just thought that this was how things were. That I would, when I got married, it would be a, a double wedding. Well, obviously. 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 You and Claire, on each side of your dad, walking down the aisle, <laughs> you know, I... I, I I can still see it now, but I do understand not wanting to share your wedding day um, with your sister. This is something that I'm no longer interested in. Now, what does Claire think? I don't think that Claire ever knew that this was a thing, and I don't know her feelings exactly, but I'm willing to bet she is not interested. Well, we'll have to ask her, um, and we'll get back to you guys on Claire's vision or lack thereof for the double wedding. So... Anyway, this is just a great story. Um, the part I found strangest, actually, was less identical twins marrying identical twins because I think you come with the same sort of family background and mm-hmm. upbringing and morals and all that. But, you know, they're actually planning to live in the same house after they get married. You know what? To tell you the truth, I probably thought that was going to happen after my double wedding, too. But you were also a child. I was a child, and I... I no longer want to. And you lived with Claire. At the time, you lived with Claire. Yeah. So it sort of made sense that this is how it would work. You know, um, actually, great story. So when we were kids, um, I always say my brother is the nice one. He's just more thoughtful. um, And I think he has more, like, uh, empathy with people. Um, That being said, though, he told my mother that he wanted to be a pizza delivery guy (laughs) when he grew up. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great, great job. People need the money. People need the pizzas. Personally, I love pizza. So it's great. So my mother said, well, you know, how are you going to afford to live and to pay, you know, for your house? And he said, well, I'm going to live with you. (laughs) And he told her that his wife and all of his children would also live with my parents. And so I think as children, that's sort of our our expectation is that we will forever sort of live at home because we don't envision ourselves as adults and and moving out and forward. You know, I think that I had a lot of um, 
conflicting visions for the future all at once. Like, I... I very much expect... I, I think I've told you this before. I thought that, like, when I grew up, I would live in a townhouse. Because, like, all of the women that I had sort of, like, met peripherally that, like, were adults but unmarried, like, they it, lived in townhouses. And I just... I thought this was what you did, like, when you reach an age where, you know, you were beyond college. I could picture that. That's the next move. It's the um, next move, for sure. And then I just thought, like, okay... I think it's a very single woman suburban lifestyle is the townhouse. I don't think this anymore though. No, no, I agree. I think, I think there are so many other options and you know, owning is not for everyone. Not everyone wants to own. Um, and I, I get that, you know, obviously I love Delaware. I was ready to set some roots here. My mm -hmm. family is here. Um, you know, it's a great place, but you know, other people like, like their flexibility. I also like might've thought that I was going to drive a pink convertible too. I'm still planning to drive a pink convertible. And, you know, um, Hollywood from Anakin does drive a pink convertible. And actually, my best friend from college, um, last year she upgraded. Um, so she had been driving a purple truck. Now she drives a pink Volkswagen Beetle. Wow. Um, you know, and, and I have to say, I dig it. I dig it. I really, it's a fun car. It's a fun car. All right. In other Delaware news... This is a great story, and, and I, I think I have to just read this to you guys because it's just amazing. On March 20th, 2018, Christopher R. McDowell walked into Delaware State Police Troop 1 headquarters while he appeared to be drunk and asked for a ride home. He was identified as a wanted suspect and taken into custody. Now, he had attempted to make a fraudulent return at Coles on Concord Pike, on Monday, February 22nd. So this was a month later. This is according to a WDEL news report. Yes, yes. So so what's great is, of course, we've got this, this drunk shoplifter um, who comes into the police station, of course. They take him into custody. Now, he uses his phone call. This is, this is the great part. He uses his phone call to contact April Wright, who apparently was his accomplice. Who would you call? Would you call me? Would you call your mom? I would probably call my mom. Um, but, you know, sometimes she doesn't answer the phone. And I, and I think I would call my dad as my, as my backup. But you only get one call. Do they That's, have to answer? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't answer phone calls if I don't know the number. So um, leave a message if you, if you call me from jail. Okay. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I hope so, too. But, you know, we're, we're thick as thieves, especially if we're thieves. I'd be right by your side. I wouldn't drag you in if there was... I wouldn't... If I, if I got caught, I wouldn't, you know, make you come in and get me and then sacrifice your own... Snitches get stitches. Well. Snitches get stitches. Wow. All right. So we have um, two more sort of Delaware, Delaware news items. One is that the EPA actually just granted $15,000 to a group at the University of Delaware... And they're going to spend it developing fashion from fungi. That's right. That's right. So it's pretty exciting. They're using um, local production, sustainability strategies, and let's see, bio-based renewable resources to solve environmental problems related to apparel and footwear industries. Now, I'm pretty interested in this because um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a civil engineer and I actually work in... Um, 
stormwater management and green infrastructure. So a big part of my background actually is in environmental awareness and uh, mitigation. But on top of that, I'm also a, an apparel and shoe aficionado. So I actually in my bedroom have um, six bookshelves and they hold shoes. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about getting some sustainable footwear. Are they tall bookshelves? Um, I think I would say they're about three feet. Okay. They're about three feet high and it varies. You know, sometimes with, with, um, riding boots, you can only fit two, two shelves worth Mm -hmm. of boots. But when you have flats, you have maybe like 10, 10 rows of flats. So it is a large number of shoes, more than the person, average person could possibly need, but it's by no means an absurd collection. Um, for our last piece of Delaware news, um, we, I think most people probably at least knew about if they didn't watch um, the live Jesus Christ Superstar last weekend on Easter. Jesus I know Christ live in concert. It's true. And it was great. You know, I, I loved John Legend as Jesus. I think he was great. I think um, the actor who played Judas, great. Really enjoyed him. But my favorite part really was the Chrissy Teigen tweets. I think, I think for a lot of people, that was probably their favorite part. I did not. I missed. I saw some of them afterward, but I, I missed out on the live tweets. And I, I must confess, so I'd been traveling on Easter, and then I I came home, and I meant I wanted to watch it as a way to wrap up my Easter Sunday. Um, but then, of course, as soon as I turned on the TV, I realized that I had um, misplaced my glasses. Oh no! So I spent about fifteen minutes looking for them <laughs> um, because you know you can't. You, you need to see the vision clearly. Um, but so I, I caught the, t- the tail end of it from about um, Pontius Pilate's big scene to the big finale, um, which I, th- and I, I am sad that I missed the whole thing, but in reading the reviews, it did seem like what I caught and what I thought of just that little bit was pretty much on par with the Agreed. reviewers and, and what people thought. I thought the ending was really stunning with, uh, just the way that they use the set and the lighting is it, sort of like with when you're filming a theatrical show, especially your TV, like it's not it's not TV and it's not theater. It's this weird hybrid and it's very it can be very tempting to just film it like you're watching it from the audience. But this was I think the closing shot with the cross and then the the big whiteout, it really kind of like it was making the most of both of those. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think, I think, you know, they had, they had a very enthusiastic um, live audience. I think they had a very enthusiastic at home audience. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think that they played to both. Mm-hmm. I think they did a great job of that. And one thing that I was also looking for was for the Delawarean who was in the cast, who I, I might have seen or I might have just seen another guy with a beard that looked a bit like him. So in the days, kind of in the days before that um, it was, the, the show came out, was broadcast, and I think also possibly in that, in the Sunday section of the news journal, there was, this, the big story for Delaware was that um, Delaware's own Rory Donovan, who is a, a local, um, well, he, he grew up locally, yes. um, and has now pursued this theatrical career, um, that he was one of the... Um, one of the cast. What, he was an apostle. Yeah, yeah, I believe he was. I believe he was. He had, I think he had one line. Yeah. And, you know, I I actually forgot to look for him. I watched, I forgot. And, you know, it's great. It means Delawareans can blend in even when we're out in the wild. (laughs) But I thought, I mean, he had had a relatively small role, but, I mean, still huge. 
But, you know, a small role on a nationally televised mm-hmm. live performance like that, you know, that's a big deal. It's, yeah. not, something, it's not something I could do. So, you know, kudos, kudos, man. You're doing great. I think with artists, we often think that they're like these other creatures that like come from somewhere else or like they all live in New York or California. But I think it's really important to just remember that they could be your neighbors. Like you could be living next to someone who like one day is going to do something really cool. And maybe it maybe it'll be really cool on national television or maybe it'll just be really cool at like the local gallery that's on Market Street. It's true. You know, there there are so many opportunities and so many talented people. And, um, you know, back to our, our mission for this podcast is is to highlight highlight those people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really liked about, uh, although I did, I did not catch Chrissy Teigen's tweets, but there were a number of other tweets about um, funding for the local arts. And, you know, if you like this, just remember where it came from. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and it's so important, I think, you know, especially in the last uh, year and a half or so, there's there's been such an emphasis on how important PBS, WHYY, um, and arts funding really, really are to this country and, and understanding how they work and all of that. And, you know, um, Mr. Rogers, man, we're trot- we always trot him back out anytime we want to talk about arts funding because he, he just made such a great plea for PBS, you know, you know, number of years ago. And, and I think it's great. I think it's great that we have sort of the main TV networks are sort of fighting for who can produce the best live show, the mm-hmm. best live musical, who can produce the best art and inspire others to mm-hmm. do the same. And, you know, I think it's a great time in this country to, to be involved in the arts and to seek out those opportunities. You know, there's just so much content and so much opportunity out there right now. So we have a couple more things we want to talk about. And, you know, we're recording this before noon on a Sunday morning. And so we made the decision to not drink wine while recording. But I think our intention in the future is probably to drink wine while we're recording. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for today, we, we're, just, we're just doing some seltzer. It's very refreshing. It's a cherry seltzer. And, and, you know, it's been very refreshing. We're enjoying a little Sunday morning catch-up, recording with you all, having our seltzer. But we are happy hour enthusiasts. You know, we love to go out and get a good drink deal, get a good food deal. This week I went to 8th and Union on Thursday for lunch. They had half-price burgers and half-price bottles of wine. And I got to tell you, there, there may not be a better deal to be found. You know, it was, it was great. Gretchen and I really, we had a great lunch. Um, that being said, there are so many restaurants popping up. Mm-hmm. It, it's an exciting time to be a foodie in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. I went, we're going to talk about, like, we're going to name drop Gretchen and Lisa a lot. They're like the ghosts of this podcast. But anyway. We'll definitely have them on because they are both boss babes doing cool stuff. So last week with Gretchen, uh, I was at Farmer and the Cat, the Farmer and the cow? Farmer and cow. The farmer and the cow. The farmer and the um, cow. Which is a new sort of burger restaurant. Which I didn't, I saw, so I don't think there's, there hasn't been like a, an official article about them. It's been a lot of like buzz on social media lately. I, th- um, I think I saw one recently. So you know what? We'll make sure to post um, a link to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, but they are active on social media. Mm-hmm. I follow them on Instagram and they have some really good looking drinks, mm-hmm. milkshakes, hamburgers. Yes, I so I heard from one of the people there, the, the bartender, 
he said that a lot of it, like, people are just coming in because they've seen photos on Instagram, which is, honestly, I saw a photo on Instagram of a delicious-looking cocktail, and I said, let's go, mm-hmm. and then Gretchen said, you know this is a burger place, right? Now, now m- most of you probably don't know this. Dara is gluten-free. She has been for, I, since we were about 11, I would say. Yes, I have a gluten intolerance. She has a gluten intolerance. So um, while hamburgers are great... Uh, gluten-free buns, if if they have them as an option, they did they did have them, but they're I, not they're just they're just not the same. I was I was very tempted. The menu looked very good. There were a lot of different like burger options, and um, they they did mention that the nachos there were gluten-free. But on that night that I was there, they were unfortunately out of chips. Oh. Um, Ugh. Which I'm sure, you know, I'll try it again. Um, so we we will have to make a stop and and let you all know. How much we love it, because I don't doubt that we will. So I, I enjoyed a Smoky Betty tequila top cocktail. Um, Gretchen had the Angel Share Blackberry Bourbon cocktail. What names? I love it. it sounded really good. It tasted really good. Um, we, so yeah, we had a nice little evening out. I often, I mean, being living with a gluten intolerance is sort of like ever present, but I often forget about it in my excitement for things. Like, when I hear about a new place opening up, I get really excited, mm-hmm. and then someone has to remind me that I can't actually... Like, there was a moment in college where I thought about trying to do the beer tour. Yeah, you know, winery options, very good for you. Um, you know, Pour the Core, the cider festival mm-hmm. now, it's a great option for Dara, but, but beer festivals and breweries, they're a little harder. And, you know, it's tough for me because, of course, as Dara said, we name drop these two a lot. With Lisa and Gretchen, uh, Gretchen is allergic to hops, mm-hmm. so she also cannot drink beer. Um, Lisa is a beer drinker, and so, you know, we have to sort of power through for the team, but it makes it tough because there are so many great microbrews opening mm-hmm. up in the area, and I know that these girls just can't hang when it comes to the brew pubs. I did go to Stitch House Brewery this week. Now, Stitch House um, is actually on Market Street as well. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if we said this, but Farmer and the Cow is on Market Street. It's down at the at the Loma end near La Fia mm-hmm. and Loma Coffee. Um, and Stitch House is further up, I believe. Yes. I would, I don't remember exactly where I was, but I was there. Um, but I, and I ordered a glass of wine and I felt really bad about it. But, you know, part of, part of being a Delawarean and supporting Delaware culture is just going and getting out there. And you were able to support a local business. And, and make that happen. So, you know, obviously Stitch House is a new microbrew, but we've got two others, one that recently opened and one that is imminent, and I am dying for it. So Midnight Oil is um, not in Wilmington. It's actually, I believe, in the Bear area. I actually, because I do some freelance writing in the area, um, someone there, like, had my email, and so they sent me the press release for it, and they were like, we'd love it if you could come cover this and I was like almost about to email one of my editors and be like hey I can totally take care of this for you I'm free and then I realized that I remembered that I cannot and do not drink beer so I should not cover it that's probably true you're probably not the best option for a brew pub uh coverage but you know it's exciting I I have seen their Instagram it's also on fire and and you know they have a number of followers and people posting about being there and it and it looks like they're having a good time I saw maybe a week or so ago um they posted a photo of someone's car on a Saturday morning and said please come pick up your car so you know and and they made a good joke about it that everybody has a good time when they come out to midnight oil 
So, you know, that's good. And, and, you know, I mentioned my, this third brew pub and I am so excited because it's going to be walking distance from my house. Um, Wilmington Brew Works on Miller Road. It's going to be great. They are converting an old, it's a metal plating plant actually. Um, but it is gorgeous. They've got these huge arched windows. They're going to have this open patio. From what I hear, I think they're going to have two or three different sort of restaurant stalls. So there's something for everybody. And similar to Constitution Yards, I think they're trying to make it family friendly so that, you know, you go there on a Friday night, Friday night to meet up with friends, but you can bring your kids. And as we all know from Sweet Home Alabama, you have a baby in a bar. Great line. But can you bring that Meg? I don't know if it's dog friendly. I will say Constitution Yards, they definitely have me because it is dog friendly. Um, and Nutmeg, you know, she loves to go out. She's a Della <laughs> dog, so she likes to be out and about too. We've talked about our brew pubs. We talked about your experience at Farmer and the Cow. And then we've got a rebrand, actually. So something that's not necessarily new, but we've got a new menu, a new chef. And, you know, it's very exciting. So Bank Seafood is on the riverfront. Formerly was Harry's. Um, as Harry's, it was great. I love sitting out on their um, patio overlooking the river. And I'm pretty excited to, to sort of get a taste of the new menu. I, I don't think, I never sat out on the patio at Harry's. I was always inside. And I think it was always cold when I was there. So this will be... So Dara is excited to experience yes. the new food on the patio. Yes. It's going to be a great time. And you know, there are so many great places on the riverfront. Um, but I'm actually going to pull us back down to Market Street again and talk about the upcoming Margot. T- to be honest, we don't have a lot for you. They have a little bit of social media. I know that it's going to be a French restaurant. They're going to have crepes. What if it's actually French-Canadian? This is how rumors get started. This is how rumors <laughs> get started. And, you know, I feel like if it was French-Canadian, they really should post that in their restaurant description. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say it's not, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that Margot on Market Street is going to be real French food and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I don't know that French food is my favorite cuisine, but it's something different. And I like to be able to have all those different tasting experiences in my city. What do you think of when you think of French food? Do you really want to know? Yeah, because I, well, because I, like, I'm a huge, um, Jacques Pepin fan which now he's he's like the, he's actually like become like the quintessential American chef in a way, even though he's right, the quintessential right. French chef. So, so, so I'm actually going to take it a little a little more humorous than that okay. because when you ask me, this is what I thought of, and it's actually uh, les poissons, les poissons, he he he, ha ha ha, from The Little Mermaid. Oh, <laughs> um, again, probably not what everybody was looking for, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, no, so other than that, you know, I think Julia Child is the first one who sort of like openly or she made French cooking accessible to Americans um so she pops into my mind um and you know again we name drop Gretchen a lot thus far we have already thus far but of course she's the owner of Delacour and so her passion is actually that French patisserie um great coffee great pastries great crepes I think if there's like good butter and good cheese like I'm there we do love a good fromage. Yeah. Cheese boards. Cheese boards, you know, they go with wine. So you can't go wrong. Yeah, good butter, good cheese, good wine. That sounds delicious. So, you know, we're super excited about Margot. It's one of the upcoming restaurants in the area. 
We also have one other upcoming restaurant. Um, I don't think it has a name yet, and we don't really have a lot of details. Oh, we, actually, there is a name. So Chuck Lager's Tavern. It's going to be um, in the Linden Hill Station new shopping development in Pike Creek. And we're pretty excited. It's going to be you know, a top chef, Fabio Viviani, um, is going to open this restaurant, and, and we're looking forward to it. Am it's going to be... looking forward to it? It sounds like there might be a lot of gluten. It does sound like there might be a lot of gluten, but you know, the good news is it sounds like it's going to be a scratch kitchen. Okay. And so a lot of times they're a little more able to work with you on things. We've been talking a lot about food and I talked a lot about butter and cheese and you just reminded me because you are going to, you and Nutmeg have plans for the afternoon, which are to run four miles because, because we are competitive runners. Well, competitive with each other, maybe. Can we, can we just, like, like, I don't even know if I would call us running enthusiasts. Because I don't, I We're feel... running, running dabblers. Yeah. We dabble. We dabble in, in the running competitions in Delaware. So, so, you know, we've done a number of 5Ks. We actually did an indoor triathlon a couple months ago. And at the end of this month, we, um, with Gretchen and her husband, Alex, are actually competing in a relay marathon at the Delaware Running Festival. Yes, which is something that I never would have done had Emily not said, will you do this with me? Which is why it's great to have friends. It is great to have friends who push you and convince you to do things you have no interest in doing. So it's going to be great. We've got, you know, 26.2 miles split between four of us. So 6.55 each, I believe. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, I, I do orange theory, so I'm running, I'm running every week doing intervals, but I'm not really running for more than about 20 to 25 minutes. So this is really going to push me. Um, and I've got to, I've got to head out and get those four miles in today. So I'm ready for that longer race at the end of the month. I think that I'm going to feel really good when I finish it. I'm also going to be in a little bit of pain, but I'm going to feel very accomplished. Oh, for sure. You know, I think I think our goal here really is to finish, to feel great about it, and then maybe we'll go, you know, get a hamburger and a glass of wine. At one of the many restaurants where we can do that. So many great restaurants. Um, other upcoming events that we wanted to highlight and are hoping to make it to, Winterthur has their... The Folly exhibit? Their Folly, yes. So it's like a, a very British term for when you have just sort of like a little bit of a, an amusing architecture thrown in to your garden space. Maybe maybe it's a full-blown castle. Maybe it's sort of like an Ottoman-inspired tent. Um, and it opened this weekend. I And I it's mean, open it's, through January. Yes, it's open. There's quite a bit of time to enjoy it through many different seasons. Um, but it does sound like an outdoor event. And so, you know, this, this next month or two when we've got great weather, it's a nice outdoor walk, mm-hmm. probably is a great time to hit it up. And I think, well, we've gone to some of the winter after hours events where there's music uh, or there, there was the beer garden the one year. So I think that might be a great time to go check it out. Of course. Um, also coming up, you know, we talked about yoga in the garden. So there's another one of those on April 21st um, and more there. And of course, we'll link to all of these events. So you guys will have them to refer back to. One other event that's coming up, it, it, and it's in the city, it's, you know, it's going to be really cool, is the Delaware uh, State Park Insta Meet at Brandywine Park in Wilmington. So um, I'm just going to read you guys this description. It's going to be so cool. Spring is here and it's time for our next Insta Meet. 
Do you love Delaware State Parks? Do you want to meet other photographers and Instagrammers in the area who share your passion for the outdoors? Join us for the spring Delaware State Parks Insta Meet at Brandywine Park, part of Wilmington State Parks. One thing that I am hoping to get to is at the New York Arts Alliance, the Trashy Women Show, um, that I've met some of the art- these artists before when they've shown um, elsewhere. A lot of them are from Cecil County, Maryland, um, where I used to do a lot of arts reporting. Um, and they're all, it's a, it's a collective of women. I think the numbers have changed over the years. It looks like there are nine that are going to be involved in this particular exhibit. This one. So they all, they all kind of have different mediums, um, but for the most part, well, throughout all of them, the theme is that they use, you might call it trash, but they're, they're, they're upcycling. Um, so I've seen them create different sculptures and jewelry with um, everything from like the tape out of a cassette tape um, that they've woven. Here's Nutmeg is returned. Nutmeg's getting a little restless. Um, and also, like, a, you know, forks turned into bracelets. Uh, and it's really, it's, they're a great group of women. They're very interesting. They're a lot of fun. Um, and then also, I, I think that their their message and their medium is is of note as well. So it's, it opened on March 27th, and it will be open until April 27th. Um, but there is a reception on April 13th at the Newark Arts Alliance um, from 6 to 8 p.m. We have one last event we want to highlight, and that's the Hagley's Maker Fest on April 28th. So, you know, that event is going to be so cool. It's described as part science fair, part community fair, and part something entirely new. So they're going to be tech enthusiasts, crafters, um, brewers, engineers, all different kinds of people showcasing what they do. We've talked a lot about Delaware. We've talked a lot about Delaware. Upcoming events, past events, restaurants, news. We're, we're loving it. We're mm-hmm. loving Delaware. We're loving that we get to share it with you. Um, so hopefully you guys loved this podcast and you're going to tune in for episode two. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Bye.